Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight will be study number 34 of Revelation chapter 1. We're going to be reading from chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we've been discussing the patience of Jesus Christ as John is writing under the inspiration of God and says he is our brother and companion or partaker in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. And we saw in Luke 21 verse 19 where the Lord says that in your patience possess ye your souls. And that is really saying in Christ is where our salvation lies, the salvation of our souls. And, you know, God, the Bible says, is love. The Lord Jesus Christ is faith. Whenever the Bible speaks of saving faith, it is referring to the faith of Christ and not our own faith. And it also calls God the God of patience. In Romans chapter 15, in verse 5, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. God is a God of love, and he is a God of patience. And uh, it also tells us in Second Thessalonians, in chapter 3, and... I'm going to turn there, Second Thessalonians 3, in verse 5, And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Now, here the King James translators really took some liberties with the Greek text. It does not read, or and it should not have been translated, into the patient waiting for Christ, but literally it it should read uh, into the patience of Christ. There's just that same word patience that's translated as patient waiting, and it is of Christ. It's not the word for for. And, and so here the love of God and into the patience of Christ. And that's uh, where each child of God is. And, and here we, we see the Lord is directing the believer's hearts into these things, into God's love and into his patience. And so that's how it is that we can be patient as God is trying his people at this time. And he is trying us to see if we will endure to the end. And what is it that we must endure? We must endure the doctrine of the word of God, the truths of the Bible. We have to patiently wait on the Lord and not flee, not uh, turn from the things that we have learned at this time, as 
He, he is entrusted to our care to be stewards of the mysteries of God. And, and that phrase in 1 Corinthians 4 relates to the spiritual information that God has opened up at the time of the end as the scriptures were unsealed and the Lord taught us many things. Now, when individuals begin to doubt the timeline and begin to doubt the end of the church age and and so on, these truths that the Lord taught us are being unraveled. And from there, they go on to doubt other things that we learn. And they're not being faithful stewards of the mysteries of God. They they are not holding fast, steadfastly to these things that the Lord um, thought so important that he sealed up until the time of the end and then unsealed them at just the appropriate point in history, the the final time of the end in order that his people might be blessed all over the earth. So it's not a little thing at all to turn back and to uh, go away from these things and, and to deny them after having received them. And so we are called upon to endure the faithful, truthful teachings of the word of God, no matter what pressure is put to bear upon them. And and you can believe pressure is being placed upon us to deny these things, to recant and to turn from faithful teachings of the scripture. It It's the whole point, really, of God leaving us here is to see if we will continue to trust his word. And, and after all, the Bible says that his sheep hear his voice. God's people know what they heard. They realized that God's methodology of comparing scripture with scripture and and making things um, harmonized to such a degree that we know this is the word of God. And we have followed this methodology for years and years and years. God's people followed them through for centuries. And we have followed the same methodology at this time that has taught us these things. And, and so to deny these teachings is to deny the proper methodology of God, of how we approach the Bible and looking for deeper spiritual meanings. It is to deny the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And remember, Christ spoke in parables in order that it be given to the elect to understand these mysteries. And to them who are not of the kingdom of heaven, it is not given that they understand them. And so the Lord uh, would have us to patiently endure this time. And of course, he will keep his people in the patience of Christ. Really, what is being tested What is being tried is to see if the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ dwells within us. And if so, 
in him we possess our souls. We will have patience. We will wait upon him. We will continue to endure all the way to the end because God will make sure of it. He will not let us go astray. He will hold us um, steadfast, unmovable, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Well, that applies to doing the will of God as he moves in us to will and do of his good pleasure. We are to be unmovable, steadfast in that. And of course, doing the will of God would include holding tightly, tightly, faithfully to the teachings of the word of God and not departing from them and not running away from them in order to avoid the test that God is putting us through. And and some people, they are going back to church or they're um, returning to former doctrines and teachings and saying, well, uh, no man can know the day or hour, actually. Uh, they say, uh, we were wrong about that. Well, no, we weren't. God revealed May 21, 2011 was Judgment Day. And therefore, we did know the day and hour of the judgment of God. But anyway, um, as far as the patience of Christ, we are to wait upon God. You know, the word patience that we're looking at is translated in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 6 as enduring. It says, uh, I'll start reading in verse 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. The word here, enduring, it translated in, in our English King James Bible, the Greek word, which is translated enduring, is the identical word that everywhere else is translated as patience. And that's partly what's in view. But we are to endure whatever may come and wait on the Lord patiently. And if it turns out that we, we do endure to the end, then we will find we have the patience of Christ. Christ is in us. Yes, we have patience because patience is a person. It is the Lord himself. But if we do not endure to the end, as Matthew twenty four fourteen says, and, and remember right before that verse, uh, what it says there, uh, as the context is established by God, really for uh, the period of the Great Tribulation and this day of judgment, it says in verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same 
shall be saved. Well, actually, I think it's over in Mark 13 that gives us a little bit more information. And yes, in Mark 13, verse 13, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And and here we are, and and the world uh, has a very low opinion of the believers due to the May 21 proclamation. The church has an even lower opinion of the believers, even those where we might have previously found some uh, consolation and companionship of fellowship and understanding these things. Those that were once with us in proclaiming these things also now have a, a low opinion on the true believers that continue to hold to them. And we can see why God says, Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. And it most certainly is for his name's sake if we hold on to what the Bible is saying. But he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. Well, I know it's not a very pleasant idea to be tried and tested, and and yet this is what the Bible teaches, and we don't have to hold on with white knuckles. That's not the idea. God will hold us. He will keep his people um, in the proper course, and he will make sure that we endure He is the one that will bring this to pass. Well, let's go back to Revelation 1 and in our verse 9, and we'll continue on. Um, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, the word isle is the same as island. It's um, translated, for instance, in Acts 28.1, where it speaks of Melita or Malta. And it says there, it calls the island Melita. And that's the same word. It's a translation of the same word. So um, there's an option for the translator. They can use the word isle or island. And John was in the isle that is called Patmos. And Patmos is only mentioned here in the Bible. It's You won't find this word anywhere else. It's a transliteration of the Greek. And we're not given any help by the name itself. Uh, that is, when we look up the name Patmos... Uh, we, we don't see that it means any certain thing, at least anything that we're aware of that we can understand at this point. And, and, and so it's, um, it's a word that we, we lack understanding to and why God tells us that John was on this island. I know that we could turn to, um, theological books and, and commentaries. And they can tell you a whole bunch about Patmos, where it's located, why John was there. They, uh, they say that he was, um, cast off to that island. 
banished by the Roman emperor towards the end of the first century A.D. But none of that information is in the Bible. And it's interesting to discuss it, but it's not something that we can learn anything spiritual from uh, because it's not found in the word of God. And, and so we're just going to move on. If God um, wanted us to learn more, he would lead us uh, elsewhere in the scriptures to teach us these things or whatever he wanted us to learn. And and so we're going to leave it at this uh, for now, uh, unless we learn something further in the Bible itself. So John uh, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. The reason that John was there on the island of Patmos was to receive the word of God. And however he got there is really uh, not important. From God's perspective, God moves and orchestrates events. He directs the course of men, uh, saved and unsaved alike. He uh, causes things to happen according to his will. And so the Lord orchestrated the events in John's life to arrange for him to be on that island at this particular moment in time in order that he could give him this divine revelation from the mouth of God. So John was there for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And and that's basically saying the same thing. They're synonymous statements. And it's really a wonderful look into how God gave his word to men as he used prophets of old to record his holy word, his divine revelation. And here he is speaking to John or giving him a vision. And and John will later write these things down. And so we have the book of Revelation. We have part of the Bible that comes directly from God. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'll read this in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And here God is declaring that that this word, the Bible, is not the word of men, but in truth, in fact, indeed, it is the word of God. It is my word, God is saying. I'm the one who said everything that is recorded in this book, the Bible. And and he's giving us um, a glimpse. We have an opportunity to look in a very uh, direct way at how God did this as he's recording 
the events that we're finding in the book of Revelation as he is uh, moving the Apostle John to write down these things. Well, let's move on to verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And here, again, as we found already, we have to look closely and carefully at the Greek text because there's often things that God has hidden there. And here, where it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Uh, there are a few individuals that look at this and and they believe that this is saying, I was in the Spirit on the day of the Lord. And you see, that would give it a completely different connotation because the language of the day of the Lord is the language of judgment day. And the only way we can discover if this is a correct translation or not is to turn to the original text. And when we do, we find that this is actually a a very good translation, except for one thing, where it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The word on is the, the identical Greek word that was translated as in, earlier in this same verse, in the Spirit. And so it should be translated, I was in the Spirit in the Lord's Day. Now, now the, this uh, final phrase, the Lord's Day, is where the idea comes from that it should be translated the Day of the Lord. And actually, I don't think it should, because in Second Peter chapter 3, let's go there in second peter three it says but the day of the lord will come as a thief in the night now here we have um that construction the day of the lord and it's speaking of judgment day which we're presently in and this verse is written with the greek genitive case and the word lord choreo with that kind of ending, is a genitive ending, and it should be translated of, the day of the Lord. That's correct. Or in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says in verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Again, the Greek genitive case is used, And it's a proper translation to translate it the day of the Lord because that's how the genitive case should be translated. But in our verse here in Revelation 1, we don't have uh, the word Lord written in the genitive case. It's actually in the dative. I was in the Spirit in the Lord's day. And... So we don't get the genitive from the case. But the Greek word used here is Strong's 2960. And it's a form of kurios. But it's a form that's only found two times in the New Testament. 
once here and the other place is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And it says in verse 20, When ye come together therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now notice again that uh, here it's the apostrophe S as though it's belonging to the Lord. To eat the Lord's Supper, not the Supper of the Lord. And it's also here in Revelation 1.10, it was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, that which belongs to the Lord. And so I think that this is a correct translation except for the word on. It should be translated, I was in the Spirit in the Lord's Day. And the the King James translators did a good job on this verse, other than that one little word um, on, which should be translated in. But we'll discuss this and continue on in our study of the book of Revelation when we get together in our next Bible study.